You're listening to the Wild Women Who Write podcast. Kathy Nichols, Kim Conry, Elizabeth Jones, and Gabby Anderson. Welcome to Wild Women Who Write Take Flight. We're really lucky tonight to have Anne Height with us. Not only is she an incredible writer, but she also has had many interesting experiences seeing what we might think of as Haints, which we're going to learn more about as we talk to her. Anne Heights, Ghost of Black Mount, won the Georgia Author of the Year Award. It was shortlisted for the Townsend Award in 2012. Her novel, Sleeping Above Chaos, was Georgia Author of the Year 2017 finalist. Roll the Stone Away became Georgia Author of the Year 2021 honorable mention in the memoir category. So as you, we can see, Anne's done a lot of writing. We're going to be talking tonight about her latest book, Hanks on Black Mountain. And Hanks on Black Mountain has a really interesting format. Although it's a collection of short stories, it almost to me has a thread like a novel because, or maybe more like a family tree novel. That's what I could think of. I would see this family tree and the different branches coming and like the stories are blooming on those branches, but they're all kind of interconnected. But she's going to take us to Black Mountain, and Black Mountain, uh, incredibly beautiful, spiritual, total nature-filled, getting in touch with literally the earth. Some of the characters, are, with their walking barefoot, are in touch with the earth. She's going to take us to Black Mountain and help us see things that we might not always be able to see. And would you like to say anything else to introduce yourself? Well, I just love to write. That's my favorite thing to do. So, and I've actually turned it into a career so that's a good thing right and i think sometimes people who come from such a rich background of storytelling and i can tell that you know this is hang sound black mountain is not a memoir but like i have always felt i think sometimes we put more of ourselves into fiction than we do in memoir so i feel like i'm learning as much about you almost as if i read your memoir or <laughs> to you. So uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting part of discussion. I know Elizabeth has some things to get us started. Yeah, I had so much fun reading this collection of short stories because I love a good short story and have so many of them right here in my hot little hands was wonderful. You know, one thing that interests me in particular about this collection of short stories is that it's really centered around a setting. Um, you, instead of having, you know, a main character with going here and going there to different settings, you have different people that are kind of surrounding uh, the setting of Black Mountain. And it's sort of that strong sense of place was reminding me of classics like Winesburg, Ohio, or Dubliners by James Joyce, and things like that. And, you know, so where the setting is pretty much the main character. Um, and so it's, it feels like, as I was reading it, it's sort of like these, these people kind of spring up out of the mountain and, you know, they're hovering around it in a way, rather than like these beings that descend from on high in terms <laughs> of, you know, various energies and entities. They're, they just kind of circle around in, in this way. There's, it's like they're almost like they're, these stories are their own kind of a haint that sort of uh, linger with us after we've read about their stories and the things they get into. And it, 
And so I was just thinking, wow, the short story is almost a perfect form to talk about paints because of the, the way they kind of flicker briefly in and out as they appear. So what was it exactly that led you to want to write this collection? What, what prompted, so to speak, all of these various stories? Well, what happened was I had written my memoir right before this book. I started this book and it was gut-wrenching and took me two years to write. And I was super tired when I got through and I wanted to do something fun. So I, I went to, and I just felt dead too. I felt like I creatively had lost all my oomph, you know, because I'd been working in memoir and nonfiction and I just missed fiction, but it's like my imagination had just gone kind of dead. So I went, I decided, okay, that's not going to happen. And I went on social media and I went to my readers and said, hey, I'm going to ask these questions and you can give me an answer no, no longer than three sentences. And if I like it, I'm going to use it as a prompt for a short story. I had no intention, really. I hadn't thought about this being a short story collection I actually published. I just wanted to do something fun. And so I did that, and I had an overwhelming response from readers. And so the three sections are actually, or is it four sections? It's been so long. No, three. the three sections were actually where I asked the, the questions, and then I just grouped them in part one, part two, part three. With, with that and I would take their and I set my own rules and said I'm not allowed to go back and ask them any questions about their answers I had to use only their answers to prompt from and so that's what I did and it turned out to be tons of fun and then my editor at my publishing house heard heard about what I was doing and it, what he was watching me on Facebook and he said let's let's publish this which kind of scared me because I'm a novelist. I'm not a short story writer, right? <laughs> so I thought, oh, God. But, um, you know, I went with it, and, it, and I had a really great time. And when we launched the book, I invited the local. I had a, several people that were local that, had, that I had picked their prompts to come to the launch so that they could be acknowledged. And each prompt is actually printed before the story. So Right, you know, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's was I was as I was reading the prompts before you know each section. I was oh this must have been so fun to put together and write to just go from <laughs> these fascinating little vignettes that are maybe just a paragraph long by right. somebody and I would think oh this looks like something that could be expanded and then you do then you expand it into something really interesting and fun and so I. It's like just the, just the whole idea of it was uh, really sort of captivating in a sense of just imagining what it was like for you as a writer and the fun that the people must have had sending yeah. these thoughts to you and feeling like, oh, I'm so glad that this is being preserved somewhere. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and most of the, the people that sent prompts in are aspiring writers. Not all of them, though, but, but most of them were. And so that was fun, too, you know, because we were kind of, sh you know, sharing and like, yeah, it was just great. And my creativity just came flooding back, which was the whole goal of this to begin with.
and really truly was the whole goal. I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe I'll try to publish a couple of them, you know, but I never dreamed that it would turn into a collection and it actually, you know, was up for several and has won awards and up for other awards and which just blew my mind because I'm not a short story writer. I guess I can't say that anymore, but you know, I never right. saw myself as a short story writer. Yeah. You know, it's true. I, you can no longer say that about yourself no. because not only have you done it, you've won awards for having done it. So you've crossed over into the, the short story. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just all about doing what I wanted to do. I had been doing the, my publisher had asked me to do the memoir. So for, for me, it was like, I want to do something I want to do. Not that I didn't want to write the memoir, I did, but I didn't realize how, I was very naive and did not realize how hard it was going to be. So this this was pure fun, even though there's threads of my life all through here and probably just as true or truer than what's in the memoir because it's fiction. And I don't always know, you know, that I'm writing about family until I read the proofs way later. You know, I'm just writing a story and then it turns into... I'll go back and read it and say, oh, my God, I did it again. You know, I wrote about my mother. I wrote about my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I'll ever quit writing about them. But but they were, my grandmother was the storyteller of the family. So, you know, she influenced me heavily. And you were talking about the, the way it felt like it was almost like a novel. When I got most of the stories written, I realized I wanted to connect them in some because I'm a novelist, and and I broke lots of rules with these short stories, but I thought, uh, you know, nobody's, I'm not going to, and at the time I was doing it, I thought, these aren't going to get published, so I'm not worried about it, I can do what I want to, and I, and I broke all kinds of rules that you're taught you can't do with a short story. One of those is the beginning, the middle, and the end, that shifts in time and place, and which is, you know, you're not supposed to do, <laughs> and, it, and it covers a large space of time, and short story is supposed to be, you know, you're taught a short story is supposed to be a short space in time, so, you know, I thought, well, you know, it doesn't matter, because I'm just doing it, so I can do it, and that freedom, I hadn't had that freedom since my first novel, when I didn't have anybody waiting on it, and that kind of thing, so it was very inspiring to do what you want to do, and just be creative. Uh, I've heard Kathy and Kim and Gabby all talk about, um, you know, writing fiction and how much of it feels like memoir. Uh, Kim has actually written a memoir as well as fiction, but, you know, as Kathy always likes to say, that fiction tends to reveal. Kathy, can you say, you can say it better than I can. Yeah, I really just think that we kid ourselves when we think we're writing fiction and separating it from ourselves because you know i can create totally different characters that i think well there's nothing like me and maybe they don't have a a spark of me but they definitely will have a spark of someone from my past life or my current life and i just feel like when we don't know we're doing it we reveal more when i I agree and i want kim to respond too because she wrote an incredibly personal memoir and well, she, maybe she can talk about it a little later, but I have not attempted a memoir. I don't think I have the energy for it. I really understand what you're saying when it wore you mm. And it was a book that was meant to be written. 
and, and understand, and it's touched a lot of people and it's tough sometimes talking to those people because they feel like now you ha there's a responsibility when you write the kind of memoir I did, I did because people think, oh, look, she had the guts to do it. And now I can tell her my story and they do. And that can be tough when you're, you've got your own stuff. <laughs> so it, but you have that responsibility, you know, so it's it, fiction. I probably tell, I mean, I told the truth in the memoir, but I probably tell much bigger truths. I not probably, I know I tell much bigger truths in fiction. Uh, and I've always argued that fiction is truer than nonfiction because we can hide in there, you know, and, and we're truer to the emotions you know, that we try to control in nonfiction, we just let them go in fiction or most fiction writers do, so. I taught high school English for, for 30 years and we studied short stories. And most of the ones we studied, we had to use from the from our textbooks because that we had permission for those. But I was right. thinking when I was reading your story, what a great story it would be and how so many of the short stories we read tended to be more male-centered simply because they were from, you know, an earlier time, not that much earlier, but still earlier, and there were more male writers putting out short stories. So I just thought, darn, I, I would have loved, I would love to teach your short stories to somebody. I may have to capture my um, granddaughter, Quinn. She loves to read, and I'll try to, try to brainwash her. <laughs> I do try to keep them pretty um, family friendly, even though they're not sometimes, <laughs> believe me, they're not sometimes, but it, it, the stories that I tell can be really dark, but they're dark in a way that the readers identify with because they've had that darkness, maybe not exactly like the story describes, but they recognize the darkness and they recognize the, the emotions because we all walk through really crappy places in our lives, you know, sometimes. And, and that just comes out in the stories, in the fiction. But I do appreciate you saying you would love to teach them. <laughs> that makes me feel good. I wanted to say something about her memoir because it's so incredibly brave. It's called, You're Not a Murderer, You Just Have Harm, OCD. But um, it, it's just so incredibly personal. And she wrote it with her daughter, Finn. And they, uh, there's just, like, my husband read it, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I never knew all these things. Okay, Kim, I don't know if your ears are burning, but I'm talking about, <laughs> your, talking about your memoir. I wanted you to share, because we were talking about how much energy Anne's writing a memoir took out of Anne and how I'm a... I don't have the courage to do that. And I don't know that I have the story to tell. But uh, talk a little bit about yours. Oh, yeah, I agree. It it does take a lot of energy. I, I find it I find it exhausting. <clears throat> you know, especially when you get into some things that are, um, you know, just, just really hard to tell. And I, I felt like going back and editing is, is easier with fiction for sure because you know, you're not, you're not taking the lid off Pandora's box. <laughs> you know? It is tough, you know, and I, I didn't want to revisit it. And I co-wrote it with, with my oldest child and getting them to go back and read it 
you know, I said, hey, you've got to read this. You don't want to read it later and and see things that you don't think I handled properly or whatever. And it, it, it was hard for them too to go back and, and read it. it. It's just exhausting. It's emotionally, yes, it is. spiritually, mentally, just absolutely draining. But, and I, and I think that's the thing about with what Kathy always says about with fiction, you can, you can talk, you end up talking about yourself without realizing it and putting so much of yourself into it. And it's, you can do that without even realizing it. The way Kim wrote the memoir with her daughter was so interesting because it was not really every other chapter, but how did you decide how to blend that? You know, we, we did these, these chapters with, um, they're called thin says where she could, they could come in and, and say almost like a rebuttal, like they could say it just, just pure how they wanted to tell it without it being censored, even if it disagreed with with what I was saying. And I didn't come back in and, and disagree with them or say, well, I don't agree with how they said this. Even if it was contrary to how I was telling it, I just let it stand that way because I felt like that was more of a pure telling than running it through a filter or you know, no, I don't think it happened that way. Just, just letting it be what it was. That's beautiful that you, that you wrote a book with your child. I mean, that that's beautiful in itself, but then a memoir too, and a tough, it sounds like a tough subject memoir too. That's an amazing, it was amazing and, and, and tough because it was dealing with mental illness, but also mm -hmm. They were coming out as a queer person at the time as well. And I wanted them to just tell it like it happened. Just that's beautiful. Out, just let it let it be, as the Beatles said, just let it be, let it be <laughs> exactly what it was and not censor that. You know, that's even amazing. if sometimes I wasn't I didn't feel like I handled things well or whatever. Or, you know, that's the truth. That's the truth of what exactly it was. You know, we're not perfect parents. We're not perfect people. Sometimes I got upset and I, I didn't always feel like I handled things well, but that's okay. We're human beings. And that's, that's the beauty of literature, right? We get to see ourselves as human, human and all our failings and all our stumbling. And that's okay. <laughs> that's how we know that's that how we're we human. It. And that's the beauty. In and, our, that's the, and that's the stuff that readers connect with. You know, they connect with that hard stuff. They it, and the courage that you you guys had to to tell it, to write it. They connect to that, even if it's not their story. Their story's different. They connect to the emotion. You know, I know I do when I read memoir or anything like that. I connect to the emotion in the book. So if the characters are all nice and sweet and kind and you know, I get bored really quick. You know, it's the flaws that mm -hmm. I connect to, whether it's yeah. nonfiction or it's fiction. I right, and you have, a, yeah, you have a lot of characters that are not sweet <laughs> and kind in this book. <laughs> and and that's partly what it makes it so, so very interesting, and especially the idea that these were real, you know, real people, real stories, or at mm -hmm. least the, at least the lore in these, in the family, the Lord was, yes, yes. Yes, 
And so I'd like to talk a little bit more about, well, you've mentioned earlier that you structured your novel into three different parts. And so I, I kind of had to just go straight to women to be reckoned with this podcast, uh, being, you know, women writers supporting other women writers and, and, you know, and all of us as writers trying to be women to be reckoned with. And the story that I, I found myself the most drawn to in that section is called a spider's bite. And as soon as I saw the title, I thought, Ooh, this is, this is going to be good because spiders in so often are symbols of storytelling, the way that they spin their webs. And then we talk about spinning tails. And in fact, for various cultures in the Southwest, there's a spider woman or a spider grandmother that actually spins creation into being. And she's, and she's kind of creating this web of the universe and all of the various human energies of, of different realms can cross in and out of this matrix of, that this uh, spider is spinning. And so I thought, I know that this story about a spider is gonna have just be chock full of all kinds of metaphors uh, for the writing life. And one of them, one of the quotes right away that, you know, you've put these uh, fun facts about spiders or, uh, you know, taken, taken things about spiders and interspersed the whole story with them. And so the first one is interesting that it says, orb weaver spiders work on their intricate webs with one thing in mind to capture their prey. And I thought, that is such a great image for what we're trying to do as writers is to create something that will capture the imagination of readers and you know kind of wrap them up and intoxicate them and, and hope they'll hang around till the end. So your character is of Jeannie Ray in this story. She's kind of stuck on Black Mountain in her mind and she would like to get off of it and have a grand adventure out in the world but the men in her life are they're just not having it they're just saying that would <laughs> be committing all kinds of sins if she were to become a nurse and be seeing uh naked bodies as a result so Jeannie ray is you know she's she's hoping to not turn into a haint on black mountain she's hoping to have a life outside of it and because she's being thwarted in this and it's, it's great to think of her as a real person then that did manage to go on. And what was it? She became a, a flight attendant on, on Pan American. Um, she had Red Cross training, and she knew all kinds of different languages. And so oh, she ended up having a career. And so that was good to know going into the story that she did make it off. But I, I love the fact that you have in the account of this fictionalized account of her, that she's enlisted a, a poisonous spider to help <laughs> her in this endeavor. And um, I would love it if you could read a passage from this story, starting with how she feels that the way to get out of here is to have the idea that she can cast spells on people, that she's learned how to do this from someone who's been teaching her and she's decided to cast a spell on a local boy in hoping that the person who will relieve him from the spell that those two will get together 
and it's and it's a kind of a complex situation, but I felt like the the way that she sort of is seducing him has its own kind of intoxicating effect on him. So he just be, he just is kind of set up in this way. <laughs> a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read this little section. It won't be too long. You be real pretty, Jeannie Ray. What's different about you? I think it's because I've learned just what I want. What's that? Oh, I've learned how to throw a few spells. Do you know anything about conjuring spells? I ain't much of a believer in magic. He gave a half grin. I was only inches from his face. He stared down at my lip. You going to get yourself kissed if you ain't careful. The smell of strawberries was on his breath. My kisses are spells. Why you want to put a spell on me? I counted to 10 in my mind. I'm aiming to leave here, Maynard. I was a spider weaving my web. Why in only a few minutes, I could weave several rows of fine sparkling thread around and around and around. I wasn't even going to need my bed for this spell. I opened my fingers and brushed that spider real gentle. I could have sworn she smiled as she crawled down his shirt, as if we were one in the same. He kissed me. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just love that prose. I, I love how you uh, yourself are weaving several rows of fine sparkling thread as you're telling all of this. And uh, you know, a line that follows this section that is just great is you say, funny thing about spider bites is people sometimes don't even feel them. And I think that's always the sign of a good, well-written story is when you're reading it, you don't realize the effect that it's having on you until after it's over and it stays with you and it's kind of a haunting feeling. And that's what your stories do. It was really okay. a pleasure to read these. Now, um, Kathy, can you perhaps bring us home? Yes, I was, just, can... I was just thinking when you were reading that, how it's so interesting how the characters seem to divide into characters who feel Black Mountain can save them, like Alice, and that's a really eerie story. I, I, I like it, but it's uh, it's just a really interesting character in that. The grandmother is horrible, but we understand a little bit. She, she kills her husband, not because he's bad, but because he's just dull. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm so horrible. I understand that. So, but, you know, it, it's, uh, and then Black Mountain saves the grand, great granddaughter from doing the same thing. And so I love that you kind of divide them into characters who cannot wait to get off the mountain and characters who feel the mountain saved them. And I think that just does such a good job of encompassing how people feel about their homes. You know, Thomas Wolfe, you can never go home again. Other people, they can't wait to go home again, and that's where their lives are, are the most important. So I want to thank you for giving us those kinds of stories and letting us talk about them tonight. I also would like to know what you're working on now. Well, I'm working on something totally different now. I'm doing, I'm finishing, putting the finishing touches on a nonfiction narrative about Leo Frank's wife, Lucille Seeley Frank. So it, it actually started out as 
not not as a fiction uh, historical fiction novel but the more i researched the more i realized people didn't hear from her they they didn't know her role in the whole trial and murder and i thought it was an injustice we're talking about women the the women in the story because mostly because of the time period it takes place are silenced and when they're when you do hear them they're in the back of the newspaper buried in, you know so i just felt like i needed to do a nonfiction book about these women and mostly it's about lucille seeley frank but also about mary fagan's mother and her sister so you know and to give them voices that they didn't have so. i love that and i feel like in some ways that's going to be a little energy draining too just because of the oh it, yes it has <laughs> it has been even though it's not my story it has yeah, it has definitely been yeah it's because it's such a a southern story um yes it is well thank you once again and i can't wait for your new book to be out can't wait to i've i've read most of the stories in hates on black mountain i love the fact that i can pick it up and say what kind of story am i in the mood for and kind of go to that and still recognize the thread that connects all the characters and they're so beautifully drawn so once again thank you for that we really appreciate having you tonight well thank you for having me i had a great time us too bye-bye thank you for joining us tonight we welcome your comments and invite you to check out our wild women who write website until next time keep writing and stay wild